Coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key. And this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody? And welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, we speak with a tactical games champion and discuss how to get you ready for your first tactical games competition. I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, I cannot start the show without the big man across the table. My co-host, Big Keith, is in the house. Keith, sound a little hoarse today. Oh, it's bad. I don't know. I I was trying to remember. I know you've done a podcast when not having optimal voice a few times actually <laughs> like one was like COVID, like actual covid you know yeah. and, and not good at all um i've done a few i don't think that counts yeah and i've done a few where i definitely had like a cold and was like nasally and not not doing too good yeah so well this, this is I, your first time i think i think it's my first time i've uh definitely gone and lost my voice and uh it'll be an interesting episode to say the least <laughs> but well, welcome to the club of uh, recording. Thank you for my cinnamon honey tea. Of course. I, that of maybe course. will help me. Any Anytime, my, my friend, anytime. So or should I thank your wife? I actually made it. Oh, get out of yeah, town. Yeah, it actually was me. It really okay. was. So anyway, um, I want to just talk about ways in which people can support uh, the gun experiment. And so obviously, if you're new and you're not subscribed, you should definitely make sure you go and do that. And if there's something we said that you like or you don't like and you want to comment on it, uh, go to Spotify and there's always a spot where you can leave a comment about what you thought about the episode or chime in on anything that you want to chime in about. And I actually just realized that that's only on their cell phone, on your cell phone. So you can't do that if you're on any other, like uh, on a computer, maybe a tablet, not sure. Uh, but anyway, if you want to do that, go and log into Spotify on your phone. And then, of course, if you would recommend it to friends, we would uh, genuinely appreciate that as well. And so speaking of Spotify comments, I got one this morning. This was from our uh, episode that we cut with Peter Tillum. And oh. I believe we started that off. We were talking about you wanting me to go shoot skeet. Yep. I almost said trap because I, to me, they're the same thing. And, totally different. Uh, I know they are, but to <clears throat> me, they're the same thing. And so Wild Childs said- I mean, similar in the fact that they're- 25 shots around, I guess, but yeah, you're yeah. shooting things that fly across the sky. With yeah. That's about the yeah. same too. Yeah. So anyway, wild childs left a comment and he said, wait a second, as a host of a podcast named the gun experiment, you don't want to go and do gun stuff. Exactly. And, and uh, exactly. Well, I will say to you, Keith and to <clears throat> wild childs, uh, thank you for the comment. Wild childs. Hopefully I did not lose you as a listener, but it is called the gun experiment. I experimented with shooting shotguns at things that fly across the sky and I don't like it. So and he experimented not enough. Yeah. Uh, that's how I know that I actually don't want to do any more of it because I have zero desire to get better at it. I have zero desire to go and do it. I don't like it. Like I said, that is not something that you have to do to necessarily want to get better at. You do it to come socialize with friends, have nah, a good time. I'll do that with 22. We're going to do that this weekend. We are going to do that this There weekend. you go, Wild Childs. <laughs> I am going to do gun stuff I'm this weekend. Defend my title. You are. So see if I can win it. There you go. Twice in a I row. like the fact that you're sick. It gives me a little bit of a chance. I think. Oh, I'll be fine by then. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to get to today's interview. But before we do, today's interview is brought to us by 4Patriots.com. While we may live in a country known for its excess, the pandemic put a giant spotlight on how fragile our food chain can be when put to the test. This is why we really need to make sure we are prepared for long-term food shortages. And Keith and I have found that 4Patriots is a great way to supplement your food stores with inexpensive and tasty food that can last up to 25 years. The folks at 4Patriots want you to have the chance to get the best deals possible, so they set up a special page for our listeners at 4Patriots.com forward slash the gun experiment 10, where you can get weekly discounts and deals, but act quickly because the deals will change each week. Remember, head to fourpatriots.com forward slash gun experiment 10 each week and grab those deals. So without further ado, today's guest competed for the U.S. National Pistol Shooting Team, as well as an NRA Intercollegiate National Pistol Shooting Team for Notre Dame, where she qualified for the 2000 Olympic Trials. She has since gone on to compete in the tactical games where she has reached the podium 10 out of 12 times. Please welcome Tess Salb to the show. Tess, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you. Good. 
So, uh, of course, welcome to the gun experiment. Um, I have to say I was doing my research on you and you, uh, are, have a very impressive resume. Uh, it's, it's very impressive. You've done a lot of competition. Uh, I know that you are, uh, okay with shooting things that fly across the sky with a shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I, I do like to shoot everything. Yes. Nice. Nice. See, that's that's what I that's what we try to get Mike to do is just shoot a little bit of everything. But yeah, that's the one thing <laughs> I won't do. I'll try anything else. But anyway, there's no, uh, no, there's, uh, no promises. I'm good at anything and everything, <laughs> but <laughs> I have fun with it. Well, well, jack of all trades, master of none is just fine in my book. I'd say exactly. So you know, I like Mike is saying you 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 have. I, I don't want to just like start right in with my question as much as I want to, you know, kind of really highlight what, you know, the introduction that Mike gave you. And, you know, not only have you competed in the U.S. Olympic Festival, but you were eight, 15 years old, nine in what was that, 96, I think it said. Uh, yeah. You did this in Pistol. And during your 12 years on the, nas- on the national team, you earned a berth at the 98 World Championship shooting uh, team in Barcelona competed in five world cups. You represented the university of Notre Dame. I believe you were the only female pistol shooter in Notre Dame. Yes. At that time. Pistol shooter. Yeah. I was the I in team. You were the I in team. Right. <laughs> yes. So you have just, you know, I really wanted to highlight the competition um, spirit that you've had since, since early on. And I guess that'll bring me more to my question, you know, reading this <clears throat> and, um, I, I found myself, I'm, I'm a dad of a young daughter and I found myself and a son, but in this case, I was picturing my daughter and I, uh, she's just started to learn really the process of shooting. She's nine. And, um, I had visions of her on your path as I was reading this. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of give, give you an opportunity that, uh, to talk a little bit about that and how you got into it. You know, you mentioned that, your love for horseback riding is sort of what got you uh, cross the line and in, in, into shooting, right? You, you, it was like on a whim that you, you know, wanted to do more riding and uh, that placed a 22 pistol in your hand. And you had also said that you really hadn't come from a firearms family. So you were borrowing firearms. And I was curious about how that conversation went with your family when you decided shooting was going to stick in, in that competition side for you. Well, I started through the sport of modern pentathlon. Uh, as you mentioned, I think when I was five years old, I woke up one morning and announced to my parents that I wanted to go to, ho- to the Olympics in horseback riding. And I grew up in a small town. And so my parents, you know, entertained me and said, of course, you know, we'll put you into horseback riding and, and you know, we'll, we'll let you focus on your goals and your dreams there. And fast forward to... When I was 12, uh, my father was doing an internship for his PhD in psychology in San Antonio, Texas. We live in New Mexico. So my mom and I would go visit him and he found a place for me to ride horses uh, that just happened to also be the Junior Olympic Training Center for Modern Pentathlon. And they suggested that I kind of start training with those kids. And so I did, and I went to their Christmas camp and had fun with it, but didn't really think anything of it. And then we came back for Easter and I ran into one of the girls in the tax shop and she asked if I was there for the competition. And for some reason I said, Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm here for the competition. And so I signed up and I had never shot a gun before. I had never fenced before. I'd never swam 200 meters. I'd never ran a mile and a quarter, much less cross country. The only thing I had ever done was horseback, was ride horses. And so that that was what I lived for. I would do anything to ride a horse. So my parents, given the environment that it was, that firearms were packaged in, it was a little bit more inviting, I think, sure. for them because it was sport. Um, I was surrounded by a community. We were at Fort Sam Houston. So they had coaches from all over. I had been to the junior camp. They had gotten to know some of the people and the coaches around that area. Um, so it was easier for them. And also, I think what was also easier was I competed in the shooting and didn't hit the target 
I think maybe five times out of 20 shots. Okay. Nobody had really explained to me what I was supposed to be doing. Sounds like me a trap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been explained what you're supposed to do. You just don't listen. Well, exactly. A sign that everybody starts somewhere. Yes. It's good to know <laughs> well, that that's true. The, the bad part about that is that they, in Olympic shooting sports for 22, they go down there and they have a score marker where they call out your shots and they place a marker over the, the score. And if you miss, they swipe through the whole target and call out miss. So, yeah, you know, for me, it was miss, miss, miss. So anyways, so my parents were like, okay, she probably doesn't want to do this. That's fine. And in fencing, I survived. I held my arm out, let people run into me and I got a few points. Swimming at 175 yards, I stood up at the end of the pool and looked at my parents and shook my head no, like I am not doing this. And they thought, <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> I cried through the entire run uh, and then I won the ride and I didn't place last. Okay. Somehow. <laughs> that, that's that's usually how Mike and I judge, you know, a successful competition for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's been plenty of times where I did uh, not do very well, but just not finishing last was was good enough for me. Hey, you know, that's some, sometimes that's your podium. That's yeah, always, yeah that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, uh, my parents were like, oh, she doesn't want to do this. And I, at that point in time, said, yeah, I love it. I want to do it. So they introduced us to a coach at New Mexico Military Institute in Roswell, New Mexico. And I started traveling over there to learn how to shoot. And I, our, uh, my friends were, my parents were friends with our chief of police. And so he also would take me into his backyard with a BB gun and teach me how to shoot. And he was the one that kind of helped introduce my parents into firearms ownership and what it would take for me. And so to tell you the truth, it truly took a village to get me and my family into firearms and to have it be okay. But because it was sport, because it was 22 and because it was air guns, my parents were a little bit more comfortable with it. Yeah, I feel Keith and I talk about this a lot. Like the 22 is a really good like entry to firearms. It's a good way for people to, it's not as loud. It's not as scary. Right. It, you know, it just sort of, it's like the next progression from like a BB gun almost. Sure. Right. And so I, it's a good way to kind of soften the blow a lot of the times I would say. It is. And I think a lot of people underestimate um, the fundamental requirement that is that is mandated in order to be able to be accurate with something like a 22 or sure. And so that to me, I credit a lot of my skills today with my, you know, upbringing in fundamentals with a 22 and an air gun. Um, because very little, very little mistake will go a long way down range, especially at distance. So you can't, they're less forgiving sometimes I would say. I agree with that. Yes. So you've really accomplished uh, a lot, so much in the competitive shooting world, but what I would consider more traditional shooting sports, what made you make that shift over to tactical games? Because it, it's a pretty big shift when you consider the uh, pedigree you came from. Well, coming from a multi-sport background, and then I started uh, CrossFit <clears throat> in 2005, and I was a CrossFit coach, worked for headquarters for a couple of years, was very into CrossFit. And I work in the firearms industry as well. And I had shot three gun just recreationally. So some of the guys from three gun were going to the first competition for tactical games. And they called me and they said, Hey, there's this new competition that combines CrossFit and, you know, shooting. It's right up your alley. You should join us. So I think 16 of us went to the first open competition in February of 2019. I think it was 2019. It's been, a, it's been a few years now. <laughs> February 2019, we all went to Meridian, Mississippi. None of us had any idea what we were doing. We just all showed up, and it was it was an excuse for us to hang out with each other, I think, sure. more than anything. Um, and that's kind of where it started. So we showed up for that competition not really knowing what to expect. And that was back when we you know shot steel, but we still had a, a sandbag carries. We had rope climbs. We had a shoot house with target identification. Um, we had a long distance run with a ruck. We had long distance pistol shots, which I loved. And I honestly credit those to a lot of where I got a lot of my points. Um, and then they had the traditional aggregate that we did for a couple of years, which was farmer carries, sled drags, uh, rope climbs, and a couple of other things. And then shooting, I think it rifle offhand at 200 yards or something. What like was that. the, so, what was the long distance pistol? 
Long distance pistol for that one, I believe it was 65 yards. Okay. That's pretty good. We shot, yeah, we shot, we did shoot the larger steel targets, but we shot, I think that, that, what we called them battles back then, I think we shot about 20 rounds at them. Okay. And in tactical games, every miss on target is 10 seconds on the clock. Wow. So, yeah. So if you missed 15 of those shots, that's minutes on the clock that you can't make up in the fitness portion of it. So for me to be able to get those and, that's one of the things that I've accredited a lot of my success to is being able to make the harder shots because a lot of people underestimate the shooting portion of the tactical games. It is becoming very fitness heavy, but the shooting still matters significantly. Well, and a big part of it is you're shooting, but you're shooting under, uh, under stress and duress, right? So you're, you're being, uh, your heart rate is up. You're being pushed sort of to your physical limit and then you're being asked to then shoot. And so you have to be able to be a good shot, but also be able to do it under that stress level. Absolutely. Yeah. The For tactical games, we are shooting with our heart rate up to 180 or higher for long durations. Our, wow. our stages go anywhere from two minutes to the longest one that they did back in the day was two hours. Um, wow. It was a, an AMRAP of a two mile run with shooting in between. I think they've only done that once. <laughs> Um, But so your heart rate is elevated much higher for a longer period of time than any other shooting sport that I know of. Uh, Maybe a sniper challenge, but (laughs) with those, it seems that you can settle down a little bit. For us, we're going back and forth with the fitness and the shooting is actually the rest period. However, that's when your heart rate matters the most, right? The other thing too is when you shoot, you know, when you're doing fitness, you might hold your breath to lift a heavy weight. And yep. then um, whenever you are moving the weight, you're breathing or whenever you're moving down range, you breathe. But whenever you shoot, especially rifle, a lot of times you have to pair that with your breathing. So you are holding your breath. So while the shooting is a rest state, it can also elevate your heart rate even more because you are holding your breath and using your breathing as part of your shot process. Mm-hmm. But when you get back to the fitness you haven't really recovered. It's just your elevate your heart rate's elevated, and now you're just operating at that level for the duration. So, so you brought up a couple of things here. Uh, first of, you brought up Sniper Challenge. That's another sort of a branch of tactical games, correct? They were doing it for a little bit. Did they get they rid of it? Been, Is it gone now? They have they have paused the program. It's sleeping. Uh, I'm not quite sure what they are doing with it for the future. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I saw like it's kind of on their site, but it's not active. So I wasn't sure where it was at. I figured I would ask. Yes, we they have branched out to a couple of different programs, but I think what they're really trying to do right now is focus on making the tactical games the best event that it possibly can be. Because mm-hmm. the more, as you know, anytime that you have a program and you spread yourself thin, um, you offer a lesser program yeah. to your audience. Yeah. And what they want to do is offer the best program possible. So- so there's some other some other products out there, other very similar kind of concepts. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of them. I feel like Tactical Games is one of the bigger names for sure. Um, the way I had read in some reviews and some things like that is Tactical Games is like 70% fitness and 30% shooting. I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but that's sort of some, some other people I had seen that competed where some of the other ones are more flipped where they're more 30% fitness and 70% shooting. Would you agree with that? I can see where people would feel that way. Uh, I will have to say that every every event that I've gone to is different. Okay. So I can't say that across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it does feel like that. If fitness is not your strength, it definitely can feel like the fitness is a larger sure. portion of it. Because sure. sometimes they're... There are events I have gone to and participated in where they have a lot of my weaknesses mm-hmm. presented in the stages. And that to me makes it feel like it's much more heavy in the fitness, but the shooting is balanced out. So scoring wise, the shooting and the fitness balances out Okay. because nowadays um, you have, you'd get points and uh, penalties for completing fitness and not completing fitness. So whereas when I first started, it was just the fitness. There were some, they never gave fitness penalties for not completing something 
Whereas now they do, they break up this, they break up the range into quarters or halves, depending on what it is. So you get time penalties for not completing an entire stage. Well, that makes sense to me. I think I, I had read uh, a shooting illustrated article discussing mm-hmm. tactical games that you, <clears throat> that you were quoted as saying, uh, podium positions here are not taken by the best athlete or the best shooter, but by the athlete with the best combination of both. And I I think you're kind of starting to explain a little bit about that, but I wanted to kind of give the listeners an opportunity to, to hear your, the reason why you said it that way. And, and I think it has to do with a lot of the things you've already said, you know, like, you know, that your misses have such a high, a penalty in terms of time and you can't really make that up on the fitness side, things like that. They do. Yes. So the, you know, the range of the 50 yard range, you can only run so fast. You can only move so fast for the fitness portion. So if you go down range and you have if the, the event is four rounds of something and you have 12 pistol shots each round and 12 rifle shots each round, if you give up, six of those shots, that's a minute on the clock. Can you make that up in the fitness? So a lot of people can't do that in a shorter range. The longer the, the longer the stages, a lot of times people can make that up, but it becomes, it becomes more difficult. So they try to balance it out. If it's a longer battle or longer stage, they try to balance it out with the shooting is a little bit harder as well. And and I'm sure the other part too is, there are people who are really good in fitness and there are people that are really good in shooting. And there's probably not as many people that are good at both. Right. And it takes. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sh- I'm sure you would find some people who are good in both, especially if their job set depends on it. Right. Like some, sure. mil- some military guys would fall into that. Possibly some LEOs might fall into that possibly. Um, but, but I think it's rare to your yeah. point. Right. I would think it would be rare. And so do you feel competitive shooters have actually dominated the tactical games for a while. Now we have a lot of athletes like elite athletes who are coming into the sport who have the work ethic to learn how to shoot like a professional. Ah, And so they are catching up very, very quickly. So the sport is escalating rapidly due to the quality of athlete that they're bringing in. Um, An athlete can learn how to shoot faster uh, or shoot better faster than somebody like uh, one of us can go in and learn how to go from where we are now into a CrossFit games level. That would be a hundred percent accurate for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot more at play. You have to think about genetics. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm in my forties. Like I'm not, I'm not, I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mean, age plays a factor. But I, I was I was actually uh, at one of my son's sporting events and a guy was uh, came in and he was talking very athletic guy, you know, dad. And um, he was talking about some competition he was in. And I almost got the vibe he was talking about something like this. He might not have been because I was out of context. Right. But. He was like, you know, me and my guys went and we thought we were like, you know, we were really kind of, we qualified for this, whatever it was that he was doing. And he goes, then we get there. And there was these guys that were just like every one of them on the team, top to bottom was, you know, six, five, you know, 260 pounds, all muscle. And he's like, they were just absolute thoroughbred athletes, you know? And so to your point, I feel as though if you're a natural athlete and you have all that going for you. And then you just have to learn the shooting part. I mean, just learn the shooting part. That is that, that is a lot easier to do, right? Because you're probably already good at um, hand-eye coordination, things like that to begin with because you have that skill set. So you're just adding in another skill that you have to learn. Well, and having the work ethic, they understand right. yeah. what it takes to be good at, to truly be good at something. Sure. And a lot of them too, I mean, they're, they're athletes or coaches by day. So they're already in an environment in which they can train and succeed for half of the sport. So they get to train for the other part, their weakness after hours or whatnot. Whereas the rest of us, we have full-time jobs. And so we're trying to fit in the two to three hours at the gym and get our dry firing and our shooting in as well. Right. Sure. So some, some people's lives are just set up to, you know, to succeed a little bit easier in this environment than others. Exactly. So 
sort of staying on this uh, this same topic, I feel like a lot of gun enthusiasts can wrap their head around competitive shooting like USPSA or ski. But obviously, like we're saying, tactical games adds a level of stress because of that physical fitness component. So uh, aside from those elite athletes, how do you recommend the average person get involved in this? Because I, really, Keith said it, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm pushing uh, 50, you know, I'm getting close to 50 years old. And so you know, you're just an average guy with a job and kids and, you know, maybe you take up golf and have some hobbies there. How do you get your physical component up like we're talking about? Right. Well, the, the physical component of it, as far as um, fitness, uh, Tactical Games actually has a training program that they offer. You can pay a monthly fee and you can get trained by through their program. And it is designed to bring people from couch to competitive, you know, to the, to the firing line essentially. And so you can follow that and you're part of the community. So they have that option. And there's also a dry fire component to that as well. So it is really designed for bringing people into competitive or into this competitive shooting sport. Um, they also have what they call um, a day before some of the competitions, they have an event that you can go to and it's extra, but you can go to it and they can kind of run you through some of the stuff. So it's a mini university, so to speak. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So if you're, if you're new to the competition, if you have a fitness background and you're good with competitive shooting and you kind of get the gist of it, but you want a little bit more information, you can attend those. And then they also sometimes, they also put together athlete camps and then the tactical games university. So the athlete camps will be a three day immersive where you get, you know, fitness information on what you need to train for. You get firearms training on the, in the range. And then you'll still also go over nutrition, mobility, everything that kind of you need to, and then they send you home with a package to work on. Um, and then tactical games university has been kind of the traveling mini, uh, athlete camp. Okay. It's just two days, mainly focusing on shooting, trying to get those people who are either, um, law enforcement, military, never done any competitive shooting into the sport or people from the fitness realm into the shooting portion of it. Okay. So a couple of follow-up questions. Uh, so aside from all of that, I did a little bit of uh, CrossFit back in the day. Um, it, it was honestly, was just, it was not for me um, doing that kind of work under volume. Uh, I just went up with tons and tons of injuries um, and I attribute some of that to maybe some other factors, not just to my genetics and things like that, but could have been programming. But I have found for me working with quality trainers, doing more strength training and, um, and other things that aren't as much volume tend to work better. But I, as, as a whole, I don't find it's a different type of workout than CrossFit, right? CrossFit is very heavily cardio based while also building strength. And so I'm curious if you're not a CrossFitter, are you just going to really struggle in an event like this? Cause it does seem very, uh, almost as though the DNA of it is very CrossFit heavy. It, you do not have to do CrossFit to be successful at the tactical games, but it, it sometimes can make it a little bit harder. The, the benefit of doing CrossFit is that you are used to operating at high intensity for long periods of time. Right. Okay. You okay. know, you're, 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 you're training all of your metabolic pathways. Sure. And the, so, but you don't have to do CrossFit in order to do this. Cause to your point, you're the best training program for somebody to do for this is the one they're willing to show up for. And the one that's not going to break them. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> well, like I said, that's why I shied away from CrossFit because it broke me a lot. It would just was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? That's, and that, and that, that is very important for you to recognize mm -hmm. and to, you know, to come to grips with because that yeah. that's very important for success in something. So if somebody wants to get into this sport where, and they don't want to do CrossFit or don't, don't have access to a CrossFit gym, um, I would recommend focusing on your strength, you know, like your, your normal lifts for squatting, deadlifts, presses, pulling, um, because, you know, rope climbs or something that we do, we do climb over walls. Um, and then I would focus on sandbag work, get sandbags uh, of the different weights because we do, we do carry them. We do toss them. We do hold them. We do a, a ton of stuff with them. Uh, we do a lot of rucking. 
you know, <laughs> so a weighted pack to end up to add to your runs or your walks is helpful. We do a lot of sled work, farmers okay. carries, wheelbarrows. So if you kind of, if you're looking at a different type of program, I would recommend taking a look at what the strongman community does Yes. Okay. and then learning those lifts, but then also learning how to move those loads over distance. Yeah. So that the, what I currently am doing is uh, the gym is actually a strongman gym, but that's not all yeah. they do. Uh, the owner happens to be an amateur strongman competitor. And a lot of what you just said, a lot of that is uh, implements that they use. So definitely yes. I can see that being very useful. So this, one of the I, biggest factors that both benefit is grip work. Okay. That, this, will, that will benefit you. This sounds right up Mike's alley. I know he wants to <laughs> do something like this. I uh, unfortunately have no desire, Tess. I apologize. <laughs> You're fine. I, ho- I, hope, I hope that the, the person that commented about me not wanting to shoot traps says the same thing about you not wanting to do I, this. I'll go shoot, but you're, my, I'm going to get tacked on for all the fitness stuff. Gotcha. Like whatever, I mean, you, I'll You're going to walk on by him. Yeah, yeah. I got no problem shooting, but I'm not climbing a rope. I, I haven't been hey, able to climb a rope since elementary school. Well, that's a good question. Like, what if you just cannot well. do something? Like, I'm, what if you cannot climb a rope? I mean, is, are you, should you just not show up? Well, that depends on the, the division that you're in. Okay. Well, you can talk about that uh, so, later on in the show because we'll definitely talk about picking the proper division for people because um, I want to make sure that we have a really in-depth conversation of how to set people up for success that might want to try this. Well, what I want to know is, is the shotgun just not cool enough for tactical games or is it just a product of the kit you have to take from stage to stage and it just makes it not a part of the sport? It just, well, the way that the sport started- You can say it's not cool like- enough. You know, I mean, I guess it's okay. <laughs> I don't agree, but- it's yeah, it's not cool enough for us. I agree. It doesn't pack well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I kind of figured that's what it was, is it doesn't really pack well, but you know, you're not taking long distance shots with a shotgun, you know what I mean? I mean right. Well, yeah. and too much reloading. So yeah. So that's sure. really, you know, that's well, that's really why. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I, I, and I'm I'm trying I'm bringing this to serious town and start not going snarky here, but I feel like a lot of, I read something that three gun competition is actually starting to take a backseat to two gun competition, which you and I just did at West Point. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is because a lot of times you would see in, whether you're LARPing or not, but in like a military situation or in a law enforcement situation or these situations where you would be, you're you're trying to replicate things, you, you would commonly see someone with a pistol and a rifle or it could be possibly a pistol and a shotgun, depending on their role, but you would rarely see someone with all three. And so that kind of mirrors that those sort of um, concepts, I think. I don't yeah. know if it's true or not, but. Yeah, I mean, that might be true. I, doesn't, it doesn't take away from the fun of a shotgun for me, but, you know. <clears throat> so bringing this uh, sort of back to maybe what could make people uh, e- you know, easily enter this world and, and feel more comfortable, uh, have you ever competed in the team division? Yes, <clears throat> I have. My my teammate and I won the mm. women's events uh, twice. We were going for our third, uh, our three-peat this year. Cool. And unfortunately, I got injured on the first event of oh. the two-day competition. So okay. um, we were unable to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, it seems like it, it might be the most fun. And it's an easy way for a person to get involved in the tactical games because you know, I feel like you can get through anything with a good friend by your side, right? You can, I will say, I would pick that friend wisely. Because <laughs> whenever you- I, She's you, telling you, you know, not to pick me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of see where you were going there. <laughs> um, well, it's, yeah, we, surprisingly, there are a lot of husband-wife combinations that okay. I'm always surprised. I'm like wondering what the divorce rate is. I was going <laughs> to say, that can't work out well. Um, can you kind of explain like a typical, uh, team event and like what maybe how team is different than the individual? So tactical games offers team events at both at normal competitions. Uh, but at that event, you pretty much just split the normal, the workload of an individual. So to me, it's a little bit easier. It's a great way to get involved and great way to get started. If you and a friend just want to kind of come and check it out, but aren't quite sure what fitness level you're at or, you know, that's that stuff. Uh, then there's two team events. I think they're doing two next year. And the team events, everything is designed for teams. So okay. there's, there's, there's sometimes they throw in an individual competition, but it is based on 
two, two teammates. And so it is a lot, a lot harder um, than the one that you would find at a normal competition. Okay. But I will tell you that the team, the true team events are the most fun. Uh, they are harder because sometimes like this time we had to, we had one stage where we just had a bunch of weight and we had to figure out how to load the bars on the clock, load the wheelbarrow. Uh, but it was a yoke. We had to do a yoke carry, which I think the yoke is 180 pounds empty. And then we had farmers carries bars. Then we had a wheelbarrow, which is also like 150 pounds empty then you had to do an overhead carry. And we think, I think we had like, I can't remember. I don't even want to guess the amount of weight. It felt like 500 pounds, but <laughs> we had to figure out how to weigh the, the, do the, all of the weight and get it all down there, but also so that we could carry it because I had to carry it down. My teammate carried the other implements down and then we had a flip flop on the way back. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. So you have to play to your strengths and your, your weaknesses as well as your partners. Um, well, I was, I was, uh, looking at, um, I think it was a video, maybe it was pictures. And in one of them, you had to fireman's carry your partner. Right. Yes. And like, like, you don't know what you're getting into with this stuff, you know? And so like, I'm at like 160 pounds. So I'm like, <laughs> I'd be easy to be carried, but I'm like, watching you're not this. carrying me. Yeah. And I'm watching sure. this and I'm going, do you both have to do this? Or do you, can you yeah. choose and be like, this is the guy carrying this guy or is it both? Typically, they try to make it to where you have to split the work um, okay. so that no no partner, you can't just have one partner that does all the fitness and one that does the shooting. Okay, oh, man, now, we're out, Mike. We would have rocked it. We would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my partner and I, she's a little bit more fit than I am, and she's also younger than I am, and so, but I'm, I'm more versed in my shooting than she is. So we try to uh, play our... Uh, do our strategy to where I'm the one that shoots more and I shoot first because we take advantage of that strength on our team, but then she's faster with the weights so we can get down to the firing line faster as well. So a lot of times too, we try to get, determine who goes first based on who has to shoot first. So okay. because if I'm going to shoot first and we need my points, then we want to make sure that I'm rested when I get to the firing line mm -hmm. and I'm not the one that goes up there. So there's a lot of strategy that goes into a team event, which to me makes it a lot more fun because sometimes you can lose it on strategy alone. Um, just if you don't play it right with your time, um, with your, you know, with your weights or with your shooting. So, okay, yeah. But yes, the, as far as the farmers carries, both partners have typically had to do them, but we don't really have rules of the partners must be carried over the shoulder. So you'll see some, you know, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just because a lot of times you have other equipment with you and stuff and it's it's just, you know, trying to work around your plate carrier yeah. and your belt and your magazines. It's just, it's a lot. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I do want to get you to running gun. Um, before we do, one last question for you. So aside from the obvious gear, I mean, you're going to need a pistol, <laughs> you're going to need a, uh, you know, probably some kind of a battle belt, a plate carrier, yada, yada. Aside from that stuff... I'm sure that you have some uh, must have gear that you bring to every competition. Uh, like for me, it might be like ibuprofen and Tiger Bomb, mm -hmm. but what are some things you would recommend everyone bring to the games that maybe they would overlook, but is like super essential gear? Uh, knee pads and elbow pads. Okay. For certain. Okay. Yes. Uh, a headlamp because we typically get to the range before the sun up and we're typically there before when sun goes down. Okay. Uh, so trying to pack up is hard. And I would bring stretch stuff, a stretch, like a lacrosse ball, a, mm. a foam roller or a stretch strap. Okay. Um, and then snacks, all the snacks. All the snacks. So, <laughs> all the snacks. So I, I feel like you're, you're, you're carrying a lot of weight. You're moving around a lot. Like I feel like your joints, like your knees, your elbows, pro knees <laughs> probably mostly take a lot of punishment. Do you bring like knee wraps and things like that? Aside from knee pads, do you bring like wraps and things to kind of keep keep them warm and keep everything kind of like, you know, more fluid. Sometimes I bring, I mean, well, we do a lot of events in the, in the heat. So okay. sometimes you don't need the warmth, warmth, but yeah. uh, if that works for you, I would definitely recommend if you have a regiment that works for you at the gym, bring it because you're doing three or four stages, three or four workouts in a day. And right. you do that two days in a row and your body stiffens up because you don't really get a <clears> chance to warm up. 
So your okay. body stiffens up much more between each stage. So anything that you can do, anything that you do normally, I would recommend bringing. If you do need to keep your body warm, extra sweatpants, um, wraps or whatever you need to do. Uh, ice we ice packs, you know, Ziploc bags. If you put ice in your cooler, you can ice your knees or okay. whatever you need to as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, awesome. So we're going to move you to running gun, but before we do, where can people find you and your, and all the stuff you're doing? So I'm on Instagram at shoot underscore the number four underscore gold or on Facebook at test salve shooting. Okay. Awesome. And I have links to that in the show notes. so People can find you pretty easily. Uh, all right. So run and gun, as I mentioned earlier, is a 10 question rapid fire game. Keith is going to time it. And uh, we do have a running leaderboard. So we'll see uh, oh, no. see where you fall on that. Uh, no. You ready for it? Probably going to choke. No, you'll, <laughs> you'll be fine. You'll be fine. All right. Okay. okay. I'm good. Here we go. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Staccato XL DPO. What gun would you buy if money was no object? A Barrett. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Albert Einstein. Favorite caliber? 223. Favorite hobby not gun related? Trapeze. If you could have a super one superpower, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Uh, to see things, to see everything. All hell breaks loose. Is it better be armed or trained? Trained. Is it better be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Pistol. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? God. Let's mix it up. Keith? Not bad. Number... Uh, 16. So that's like the top third. All right. So you're well <clears throat> and, in the top 20 and the, uh, the first trapeze uh, yes. answer that I've ever, that <laughs> that actually, ever had. That actually <laughs> threw me off in reading the next question. I was like, Whoa, she said trapeze. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. I it, it, it really threw me for, off. Yeah. That's cool. I flew trapeze for a short time. That's very cool. Yeah. I, I literally like screwed up the, ne- the, the next question. Cause I was like, Oh, Whoa, she said trapeze. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Let's Mix It Up is brought to us by Flatline Fiber Co. Flatline is our favorite soft goods company, and we have been using their gear for years. They make IFAC pouches, slings, ear pro wraps, and dump pouches. All their products have been thoughtfully created and thoroughly tested. Chad's a great guy, and he puts a strong emphasis on customer satisfaction. All products are made in the U.S. and have a lifetime warranty, so check them out at flatlinefiberco.com. And to sweeten the deal, use the discount code GUNEXPERIMENT10 at checkout to get 10% off. So today on Let's Mix It Up, we are going to go beyond shooting gear and rules of the tactical games and talk about developing a plan to prepare for your first time competing in the tactical games. So my thought behind this, I wanted to talk about something more in depth. And I said, anybody can go on and read about the rules and the gear. Like it's all very well spelled out on their website. Uh, there's no, no sense in us talking about that, but there's a lot of things that, you know, maybe you need a little more strategic thought and you're probably a good person to give that. So the first question I have, or the first thing I want to talk about is picking the proper division. So there's a lot of divisions uh, can you maybe, you don't have to go into details because again, that's all spelled out, but maybe give some ideas on where people might want to start division wise. I would always recommend people to start in the intermediate division for both men and women. Okay. And what that allows you to do is kind of just get a get an idea of what the competition is about. Is specifically if you've never done any competitive shooting, uh, it's very important to understand the safety rules, our loading and unloading procedures. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So in that division, you, if you're really good at fitness or really good at shooting but don't know about fitness, uh, it gives you an opportunity to kind of slow down and really take in what the competition is about because I feel like you're not going to be – your head's not going to be swirling. You're not going to have as much anxiety. So just either either use it as an opportunity uh, to just come and, and check out what it's about. Ask people the questions. See what the weights are like. And then in your next one, come to compete And we also have volunteers and the volunteers 
at our events are amazing. They do so much. They actually work harder than the athletes, I think. So if you want a front row seat and you're not really ready to even compete, sign up to volunteer at one of the events because you're going to get a front row seat of how the competition is run. You can talk to the competitors. You're going to see like what to do, what not to do. And, you know, you're going to get to see everybody go through a couple of stages so you can make better decisions for yourself. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. And there's, there's a couple of other ones. There's like a tactical division, correct? That's sort of like an intermediate intermediary. Yes. So tactical division is just a little bit more, the weights are a little bit heavier and the rules are a little bit more strict with intermediate. If you can't do something like a rope climb or something, there is an alternative to where you can continue to move forward. Oh, okay. Whereas mm-hmm. the other divisions start taking that away. Okay. And so and when you say we, that, is it is that like a burpee burpees? Is that what you would normally do? Sometimes they, yeah, some uh, burpees, they throw burpees in a lot of times. Um, sometimes it's breaking down. Like if you can't do the farmer's carries, which in intermediate, most people should be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But if for some reason you couldn't, um, you can dismantle it and move the implements down. Uh, and different pieces. What kind so of what weight? What kind of weight are we talking? Just as a point of reference, like a farmer's carry. What kind of weight are you talking typically? So they just updated those weights, and I'm not. Uh, you, I would recommend going. I mean, on I would hold you to it. I'm just curious, like a rough idea. <clears throat> like what was it in the past? Uh, for intermediate, it would be like 95 for women, and on the, um, maybe like 115, 125 for men. Okay. Uh, and then, but then like you go up to elite, you know, can do up to 400 for men. And wow, I think the most I've done is 270 for women. Okay. Um, that was in the elite. Now, you know, those are the top, top echelon of weights. So, um, yep. but then like for sandbags, uh, you know, that like intermediate, you might for men might go up to a hundred pound sandbag. Um, for women, you might go up to a 50, 75 pound sandbag. Uh, but the elite men are going up to 250. The women are going up yeah. to 200. So pretty that's why I weight. recommend. That's why I recommend if you truly want to get into this, start start in a way where your expectations can be met. Because if yeah. you get in too heavy, you're not going to enjoy it as much. And because the weight does get uh, heavy really fast. Sure. Um, and once things start moving, like I said, you don't have an opportunity to warm up. You're doing four workouts, two days in a row. Um, and so if that is the, if the weights are at the top of your normal working load in the gym, you're just going to set yourself up for injury. And yeah. we don't want to injure people. We want to, you know, to create an environment where they can come back. Um, so that's why I recommend starting out at a, at a level. It's like, if you want to run a, a marathon, but you've never run a 5K, I'd start running a 5K first. Sure. I mean, this just sounds like it was <clears throat> designed by overachievers. Well, it wasn't this way when we first started. So it is. It is. It is um, developed quite a bit in four years. So. Yeah, it, it it's um, I think it's like a, a little bit intimidating to a lot of people because of that phys- like people who are into guns are not usually. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to say that, but like, it's just like the, the lows that you're talking about are like, you're like a serious fitness person at that point. Yeah. Right? I, I like, I mean, disagree. that's, it's, it's definitely, that's where I think that 70, 30 comes in where people feel, you know, the average person isn't farmers carrying 400 pounds. Like that's, that's a well, lot, you yeah, know, I mean, yeah. that's, and that, not, that's the elite division. Of right? course, so, of course. Yeah. yeah. Right. But that would be an elite CrossFit person that's doing that. Not necessarily right. CrossFit, but an elite. Yeah. I, well, even, lift some the of the, even some of the CrossFitters <laughs> were saying that some of the weights, because the weights are designed, you know, they don't want, they want to find the best combination of athlete and shooter. And right. so, you know, they, they can't necessarily put out weights that are extremely easy. So as the competition that shows up gets better, the weights have to increase. Sure. And so- it just becomes harder, which is why I, as, as the weights continue to, to go up and move, that's why I recommend just coming in at a base level, set your baseline, figure out where you truly want to be, which division you want to, you know, get into. Um, that way you can, you can have longevity in the sport. Hmm. And so, uh, kind of going back to, we did discuss physical fitness and getting into shape and what you can do, uh, to sort of, I'm into a shape, by the way, what's the shape? It's not the shape that you're talking about. Um, So specifically, like I want to kind of give specifics here. 
So not a program, not what gym should you go to, but like, could we maybe come up with some like numbers that if we were going to do like, let's start with the intermediate, right? Cause that's kind of where like the average person might start to get into this. If, if someone's listening to this and they're like, I want to try this, but I'm intimidated. Like, what are some metrics that we could give to say, okay, this would be like a place where you'd be successful. And so what you, I mean by mean that like, is like, like deadlift, mile time, mile time, deadlift, weight, squat, weight, bench press, weight, those kinds of things. Like what are some areas that, and obviously there's a lot of things in the games, but some things that you could give as metrics for people to be like, okay, I, I think based on those metrics, I'm, I'm ready to give this a shot. So all of those are actually listed on the website oh, okay. uh, just for, just for people listening. Um, but to, it, it, and it depends on the division. Um, well, let's go, inter- let's go intermediate. Let's go intermediate just to start there. Um, so I'm I actually going to try to look these up real quick for you. Um, so for intermediate for men, because that's going to be different than women. Sure. Um, so you want to run a sub 12 minute mile and yeah. full kit and your full kit is your plate carrier, which is, uh, 15 pounds for men, I believe. Um, and then you have to have your rifle slung with optic and okay. your pistol and then plus your magazines. Um, and then they recommend a 10, 15 mile slick. Okay. So that's the running portion, right? What about, right. what would you say in terms of like strength? So like I said, if, and I'm not, none of this is like, we're not going to come back and be like, you told us just, but overall, like what are some numbers you could give that you should be able to do? So you should be able to lift a 150 pound sandbag to shoulder level, Okay, I would say. And then overhead, I would say at least 125 overhead. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about this a little bit. So uh, we, in terms of obstacles and equipment that people might want to be familiar with. So the reason I'm, I'm kind of going here is we mentioned rope climb. Uh, and at some point, you know, you were throwing out some terms. I'm familiar with like what an AMRAP is. Not that that's important as many reps as possible for those that are interested. Uh, but I know there's some things that you guys use that are definitely foreign to the average person. So, and I'm speaking specifically to like what an axle barbell is, uh, Husafels, farmers carry handles. I think that's kind of pretty self-explanatory maybe, but do you want to talk about some of the specific things that have been thrown out there? Sure. Um, the axle bar is kind of like a barbell. Um, it's just thicker in width. So it's, it taxes your grip tremendously, which mm-hmm. makes it harder to lift. The other thing is that makes it a little bit different compared to the bars that you have at the gym is that the weights don't spin when you have to clean it up to your shoulder level or something. So that oh. also makes it a little, little bit harder because yep. the benefit of having a true barbell and why they, you know, if you've ever been in a gym and they say, don't drop them or whatever, well, there's, I think, bearings that allow the, the ends to spin. Right. Well, the axle bar doesn't do that. So the weight moves slightly different. And we carry that, we carry the axle bar overhead. So you have to clean it and press it overhead or snatch it overhead or jerk it. Um, we carry it in the rack position, which is on your shoulders. Um, we also carry it as, as a zercher carry, which means in your elbows. Right. Okay. So being like able this. to move the weight from the ground into those three positions is is important. Some people get stuck on how to get it off the ground into the zercher position. Okay. Um, and then the, for those that don't know the Husafel, cause I know that's been in a few, which is very, very cool. That sounds cool. It sounds cool. So do you know what it is? Or <laughs> no, that? I have no idea. So it looks, I would describe it as the shape of, it almost is like a heart shape, oh. but a very angular heart <clears throat> shape. <clears throat> and it's, it originates from Iceland. Um, there's a story behind it. It was like a big stone. I believe it was, um, was it to block sheep or something like that? But there's an actual famous Husafel, an actual stone that if you go there, like I, you can go and like lift pick it, it up. and pick it up and carry it. Pick that, it up and put it down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Tess, was any of that accurate? I might've made all that up. Yeah, no, that is, that is the story of it there. It's something about if you were able to lift the stone in Iceland, um, you were, you had a title or something. Yeah, you were there's, Thor. There's, it's a really cool story. Yeah. Um, how it made its way into the strength world is <laughs> kind of different too, but 
Yes, we do lift that. And empty, I believe that one is 95 pounds. Okay. And trying to lift that one is a little bit different. Um, the, a lot of people don't want to tilt it forward on the front part of it. So the idea is to tilt it forward, get underneath, get as low onto the, the bottom of it as you can. Because the bottom's thinner, right? So you want to get to that thinner, thinner. part. Yeah. yeah. And so you want to get it also carrying weight higher. It sometimes makes it feel lighter. So it's, it's also off your chest. So uh, there's that. But then tactical games, depending on the the division, they'll add water to that. So mm. not only Sloshing. do you have the awkward implement of that, the water adds weight and it moves if it's not. Yeah. That slosh, so sloshing mo- motion, right? It, yeah. So it, it gets pretty, pretty dicey sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I really think all those different implements are really cool because it's definitely, it adds all these uh, twists and turns to the competition. That part I think is very, very cool. And um, I really like what they're doing. I like the idea of combining uh, shooting with kind of like running around. Like I think it's a, it's just a cool concept and they've they've done a nice job with it. I actually would like to see, I almost wish they would do a division that was more for like the shooter and like flipping that 70-30 if that, you know, I am keep using those numbers, not that it's an, maybe 100% accurate, but I wish that they would have a division that was based more on that. I think when they had sniper challenge, that seemed to be a little more on shooting and less on the fitness. If I recall, we, we did do a couple of tack two gun is okay. what they had. And that was a two gun competition with about a minute of fitness in okay. each, in each one. But we only did a couple of those. And I think they're kind of taking a look at that as well, trying to figure out how to make it better. Um, I had a great time on the one that I did here in Texas, but I don't think that they were as, um, I think they, they thought they could do better than, than the way that it was going and they wanted it. So that's what they were kind of taking a look at. Well, I think you um, guys, I think that tactile games fits a, a niche, right? Like the, the people that are into that are into that. And so they don't want the other thing and, yeah. you know, listen, different strokes are different folks. And I know there's, like I said, there's other similar competitions that sort of flip those percentages a little bit. And that's great for those people. I'll tell you, there's no fuds there. No, there's probably not many fuds there. <laughs> and, uh, is there anybody we wearing, <laughs> an, anybody wearing suspenders and, uh, <laughs> probably not, not talking, too many of those. talking about 1911s and the Lord's caliber. <laughs> I wish you actually, yeah. there probably are a lot of 1911s or 2011s. I would venture to say, is that true? There Yes, there are more, well, um, but, you, but you'll also see Glocks. You see a little bit of everything. You know, what I tell people is, um, cause the other thing too, is you're also laying in the dirt. You're throwing your, your I mean, this is probably the roughest sport on firearms. Mm-hmm. So I, if you can afford to buy a 2011, go ahead. But if you don't feel like you can get into the sport until you have one, I'm here to tell you, I want all of my titles with a $400 FN. Yeah. Stock out of the nice. box. It's six and a half pound trigger combat sights. Good for you. So you do not have to have the the top of the equipment. If that's what's stopping you from getting into the game, just show up. Bring that's what you advice. have. Just show up. We're more we're more interested in having you get involved in the sport than we are waiting to, to have you show up with the fanciest of equipment. Well, when Mike is ready to do this, I will come and you know cheer for you or socialize with you. Nice, but uh, I'm not going to participate. Thank you. Okay, perfect. Yeah. We we actually <clears throat> love spectators as well. We welcome spectators. This is the uh, one thing that is cool about the tactical games compared to other shooting sports is that we do have a ton of supporters and spectators out there and we encourage people to cheer you on and all kinds of stuff. I I know, I know Mike's guilty pleasure. So I'll be waving some fast food at the end of the (laughs) stage for him. Well, I wanted to say for wild childs from earlier, there we go. So I will cheer Keith on at trap. And, and skeet i'll do two for you and you can cheer me on at tactical games how's that sound all right sounds all right. good sounds good Perfect. all right well tess i want to thank you for coming on the show i i invited you on the show mainly because i really wanted to give listeners that are looking for a challenge uh like this uh more of an insider look at the tactical games so thank you so much for uh, all of that insight and the advice, I, I feel like the games are, are daunting for people, uh, but much less so after talking to you. 
at least you've spelled out what people can expect and you've given some really good advice and guidelines and that makes things a little more manageable. So uh, good luck in the future competitions that you're in and I hope you will join us again sometime. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And to everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Discord, and Spotify so we can keep the conversation going.